This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 148. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and today we're going to recap WWE's Extreme Rules pay-per-view, which was one of like a million shows of this it was, weekend, Nick. It was extreme. It was it was extreme-ish. There was some, there was, <laughs> it had a couple of moments, I guess. Uh, it's strange to call a pay-per-view Extreme Rules when you really can't get as extreme, but that's been talked about ad nauseum. It was, however, in Philadelphia the home of extreme at least when it comes to extreme championship wrestling so it was that that was a thing yeah uh, i want to i want to discuss at some point about how the philly crowd was but but before that i mean i i want to talk about this show because as crazy as the whole weekend was with all of the other wrestling going on whether it was evolve or new japan or uh aew it, this show had a bunch of crazy booking decisions as well we had four title changes four Wow. On a on a card that last I checked had 10 matches. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. There's two more matches. Now there's 12. They said at the beginning of this week, WWE put out a press uh, release saying we're not going to add any more matches. The card is final. We're not going to add any more <laughs> any more matches to the card. Well, Until Vince changes his mind, damn it. Uh, uh, plans change. Right. Plans change. Card subject right to change. Right before the show, we had two last-minute matches added. We had uh, Kevin Owens and Dolph Ziggler. And then we also had Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor for the Intercontinental Belt, which we said should have been a match on the show last week. And then at that last minute, they're like, oh, yeah, we're doing that match. <clears throat> on the pre-show. On the pre-show. What? Yeah. What? Dream match of sorts, a rematch, uh, a New Japan rematch, you could say. Well, uh, NXT rematch, you could say. But no, we'll, we'll put it on the pre-show well, this time. Well, you know what, Nick? Let's not waste any more time and hop right in and talk about this match because yes. let's start. Let's start talking about extreme rules and let's start with the pre-show because the whole thing started with Finn Balor and Nakamura on the pre-show, and and they started people, with me going, "What?" People <laughs> filing into the place, and we have the Intercontinental Championship on the line, not to pull the curtain at the top of the show, but to pull the curtain on the pre-show, and not just pulling the curtain, but Finn Balor, much like he did last week. 
got pretty roundly beaten by Nakamura. He, you know, he had got some offense in, but two Kinshasas to finish this match, one to the back of the head and then one execution style to the front, and he goes down, one, two, three, Nakamura is your new surprise Intercontinental Champion. And if you didn't watch the pre-show and you tuned in to start the show and so, the announcers are like, by the way, Nakamura is your champ, you'd have been like, what? Wh- what? A major title changed hands on the pre-show? What? Oh, so, Nick, what do you think is the logic here? Because there's been a lot of defensiveness on the part of WWE and people who've been defending WWE uh, as to this match being on the pre-show, you know, including some WWE superstars like Prince Pretty himself, uh, Tyler Breeze coming out and saying, like, what? It makes the pre-show more important. He would know he's Captain Pre-Show. But why would they do this to a major belt? I, I love that you assume that logic was involved there. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think Prince Pretty might be on to something there. They're trying to draw people. They're trying to do something early to draw eyes sooner. Uh, they did have the Evolve thing going on. There was a little bit of back and forth about that being on Saturday at the same time that Fight for the Fallen was on. Uh, we know that they're concerned with eyes and ratings and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe not only. Let's let's not only have a title change hands that's something besides the Cruiserweight Championship. Let's also have Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura for no reason. Mm. No story. Which, with those two, frankly, you really don't need it. You don't need it's, it, but at the same time, like, yeah, this was just a, it seemed like a quick juggle the of, the, of the belt. Intercontinental title. It's like they want to put it on on Shinsuke real quick without a whole lot of build and no muss, no fuss. Shinsuke's your champ. Do they have plans for Finn? Is he going to go join the club and go heel? Is Shinsuke about to enter some sort of big feud that we don't know about? Like, I'm tr- I'm wondering, I'm trying to figure out what the logic was here because I, this, was an, this was obviously not a plan. This was the last minute. Let's throw this match together thing. I think Creative hacked my computer and read my fantasy booking notes. That got are we are we ever going to hear that? We are going to hear, hear that. Nick? Very, We're like yes. two pay per views. I know. I know. We're up. We're, I'm saying. up to the Royal Rumble. Like it's. I got three. It's going to be shows. next year by the time we hear this. <laughs> like you're, at this point, I'm starting to wonder. Um, but no, this, this. So this is this was bizarre on many levels and, yeah. and there's a lot of people that were wondering about this even the people that like like if you if you can defend this why this happened t- let me know even when Dean Ambrose defended the Intercontinental belt against Baron Corbin at WrestleMania on the pre-show at least there the title didn't change hands yeah and it was just it was just a match and it could be like all right Intercontinental match in the pre-show like lame but i get, all right fine fine right. fine right here I'm like you're changing the belt too what so I'm curious what their plans are for both of these guys going forward now because this seemed like a rush decision. They're setting up a lot of pieces for SummerSlam uh, and for the fall for when they for when they go on to Fox. So it, it, everything that they're doing now, I'm wondering if they're setting up a chessboard. You know what I mean? They're making chess moves to get ready for certain things to happen en route to those two big events. We, so we were also that's why, one step away from SummerSlam. So they've got now what, what saying. five exactly weeks saying. till SummerSlam, about four to five weeks to build to SummerSlam. So yeah, let's let's throw everything into chaos Less? a little bit so that we can build. It's August 11th? Ninth? So, that's still, that's like yeah. three and a half weeks away, three weeks wow. away, Okay, right? Yeah, let's let's turn everything on his head and so that we can build fresh from, from now till SummerSlam. Uh, okay. Let's see. But what there's happens. a lot of that. There's a lot of them in the show where I'm like, "Why you do this? Why you do this?" And because they're they're, I can only assume they're trying to build for something at SummerSlam. Yeah. A lot of these title changes that happen tonight and big match victories are ones where I go, 
what are you trying to do? What, where are you going with this? Yeah. Because some of them make no sense. Yeah. Uh, we did not have any pickups for this match because we didn't know about it. But the next, next match we did have pickups for, and that was Drew Gulak defending his Cruiserweight Championship against Tony Nese um, in kind of a, frankly, lackluster match. Yeah. I was I, bored. Not impressed. And now, now that being said, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Go watch Evolve 10th Anniversary. Gulak had an absolute war with Matt Riddle, which is perfect because they're, they're such huge stalwarts of that brand. Right. But, um, and it was very appropriate given their history over there if you, if you watch Evolve. And it was an amazing match. Drew could not have been at 100% here. And it, it seemed like <laughs> no. Tony Nese was trying to carry the match, but wasn't up to the task either. And it, just, it was kind of just there. It wasn't really me. It was just one of those cruiserweight matches you look at and go, this is why you guys, this is why the division's going to die. You got you to do better than this, guys. But so. I'll say this. As pre-shows go, holy shit, what a couple of mm. matches we had to open the open Extreme Rules. And I got to say, going into the main show, I was like, well, damn, if this is what they're throwing at us from the pre-show, I can't wait to yeah. see what we get into. Um, and to be fair, yeah. what do they throw? What do they throw on the pre-show that they didn't have? You know, they had the main show. What main show match do they throw in the pre-show? Yeah, you know, what do they trade him with? It's yep. it was it, I I in, in that sense I do understand like they're between a rock and a hard place, but at the same time, yeah. So Gulak wins this match. How long do you see him holding this title for? Like he he won pretty convincingly over Nice here. Yeah, sometimes. But, and, but I, I expect he, he's long overdue for it. And I fully well, expect him to hold on to it for some time. Yeah, a, a while at least, or at least until they dissolve the cruiserweight division. So, <laughs> but which apparently <laughs> is in Heyman and Bischoff's plans, from what I, what's rumored. Anyway, well, uh, well, if uh, yeah, and Bischoff was never really a big fan of the cruiserweight division, even when he had an amazing cruiserweight division in WCW. Those yep. were just kind of happening. Yep. So uh, I really hope that they figure something out with all these talented guys down there. Something better than what they're doing with Cedric and oh, I don't know, Buddy Murphy. So, uh, we both saw Gulak picking this up here, picking up the win here. So, uh, moving on to the main show and we pull the curtain on the main show, dear God, Roman Reigns and Undertaker versus Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre and this crowd, you know, Nick, we were saying the last couple of weeks, we were not looking forward to Undertaker. We were kind of over it. Uh, the mystique was kind of gone. We're like, uh, old man Taker. This crowd was not us. This crowd was hype. Hype, capital H hype for the Undertaker. Did you get more hype? Not only seeing the crowd reaction, but then also in this match, how kind of good Undertaker looked. Like, did you did you come back? Did you walk back some of the things we've been saying on the on Taker? In there this was match? there were several times throughout this pay per view that I went, huh, that's a lot better than I expected it to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was one of those instances for sure. Um, it, it definitely, I d- I did not expect to be as entertained by this match. Uh, yeah. You guys all know how I feel about Shane, uh, and you know Taker should have retired when he lost to Brock the first time. Uh, but it, it, in my eyes, this was a lot better than it had any right to be, frankly. Um, yeah. And I enjoyed it. It was a great Very way well to works. open the show. It got everybody hyped, and you know the crowd was kind of hit or miss all night. They were really up or they were really dead. Uh, but they were really up for this one, and it was it was a lot of fun. It added to it. Yep. Yeah, and and there was all. I mean, again, because this match was had a stipulation, Nick, and uh, this match's stipulation was no holds barred, no holds barred, Hogan. 
Don't hurt yourself over there. I'm fine. And <laughs> we got a as a result, as a result, we we had all kinds of shenanigans happening. Elias came out and hit Undertaker. Uh, you, you had, people went through tables. We had coast to coast with trash cans. It was all kinds of madness. But it was also a lot of stuff that was very crowd pleasing. And I gotta say, dude, Taker held up his end of the bargain. He looked mean. He had, he had the presence going. Uh, Roman Reigns definitely looked like he was just there to kind of get Taker's back. And Taker was going to run the place. So, um, but, and, and frankly, honestly, like there's one thing that happened this match that made me wonder about SummerSlam and made me wonder uh, about a couple of things. And that was the presence and the, the, the chemistry between Drew McIntyre and The Undertaker. They had a couple of moments of staring each other down. They had a couple of little interactions, and I kind of went, huh. It's rumored that, we- that's the, that that's the thing they're, they're building towards. Like, we're going to have Taker and McIntyre at SummerSlam. And I'm just like, okay. I mean, it's better than having him doing something else with Shane. I mean, right? That's not the worst thing that he could do. And if Taker can work a match like this, now, granted, they were obviously like protecting him a bit with having it be a tag, yeah, a tag match. But if the, if he can do this kind of work and McIntyre can prop him up a little bit, I'm not mad at that. I they, think that was this, one of the comments I made last night. It's smart to have him uh, in a tag match because he gets to go get a breather for for five minutes or something between between uh, yes. segments. Doesn't get blown out. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't yep. have to plod at like halfway through the match. No, uh, full rope walk. You know, axe handle, all kinds of. We got all kinds of vintage taker last night. Yeah, so. even took a. Uh, uh, Shane even came off the top turnbuckle at him while he was lying on the announce table. The heavily padded, heavily right. padded <laughs> announce table. One of those by gymnastics the way, gymnastics two inch pads yeah. on it. Lots of padding going on in this show. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, but oh. yes, Undertaker does give a tombstone to Shane after Roman runs interference for him. Afterwards, Taker and Roman exchange signs of respect. Yeah, uh, but you know, I'll, I'll say like this: I, said, I did notice one thing real quick. Uh, Roman kind of, and I and I understand. Like the Undertaker gives you an attaboy and slaps you on the chest, right? You could see him almost have a moment of where he he kind of dropped his chin down a little bit and almost kind of yeah. got like emotional mm-hmm. to an extent. Well, he's Oof. had a main event WrestleMania match with Taker. Like it's sure. not like this is the first time he's ever worked yeah, with the guy. But. You got to tag team with the Undertaker, dude. I, yeah. Well, there's a couple of shots of him outside the ring marking out, <laughs> looking at the Undertaker going, going, oh, 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 he's cool. Hey, you Ed know. Yates, thank you very much. $5 tip to the jar. Thank you, sir. What? Thank you, sir. Yes. Thank, thank you, you, sir. Very much. Good stuff. Thank you very much. All right. Well, what uh, we got well, next? Yeah, so we, we, both, we both knew that was going to happen, so we called that in our oh, pickums. Yeah. But the next one we also called, and that was the Revival defending the Raw Tag Team titles against the Usos. This Everyone was so burnt out from Taker. That the Revival Usos came out, Revival came out and the Usos came out, and everyone was just kind of like, meh, because there's no story here. There's not really any build here. There's not really any, we don't, no one really cares about them at this point, right. unfortunately, because this was a great match. This was the, and the, this was one of those instances where I said they're either really high, it was very binary. They're really yeah. high or they are dead. And like, it's Philadelphia. They, they're a lively crowd to, to, to have an event at. Yeah, I was gonna say this. I'll say this for, for this. later, but I have I've read reports that people who were in the building said that the sound like when they watched the when they watched it when they got home, it sounded like the mics were pointing in the wrong direction or were turned down because apparently in the building they were hyped the whole time. It was just they were either loud or really loud, but that they like there was very rarely were they really really down. But this was one of the matches where they kind of got a little quiet. Also, the Alexa Bliss match. 
So th- there were kind of, there were a couple times where they did get a little quiet, but like the Cesaro and uh, Alistair Black match, up, like it didn't sound like they were that hyped for that match. But if you were there live, it was just the place was coming apart. So that's one thing I want to throw in there is yeah, that we live did, reports. We did have we did have a listener. Uh, his name's Trevor. I think it was Trevor Lee. Uh, was there at the show last night in Philadelphia? Came all the way down from Vermont to Philadelphia to uh, to see Extreme Rules live. Damn, and he son. had he had something similar to say in the live chat last night. So. Uh, you may be onto something there. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I hope that's the case because a lot of these matches deserved some some attention. This is one of them where I was like, these guys are putting on a, a just like a clinic in tag team wrestling. Um, the when revival you, when, working brilliantly heel. When you guys Usos hear me go nothing. on and on about tag teams and what aren't tag teams and aren't these are two tag teams. Yeah, these are two shining <laughs> examples of what a tag team is supposed to be. Not Neither of these Rowan. teams, we're never going to see these guys break up and have one guy go solo. This nope. is the tag teams, tag teams for life. So, yeah, this is, but that, as a result, you get matches like this where it's all, like, you get the tag team psychology, one team, you know, both of them coming out the gates hot, and then it slows down while the bad guys start grinding down the good guys, and then, you know, then it starts fluctuating as the match goes on. Um, but it was great. The, you know, the revival did the revival things. Uh, classic, you know, heel tag team distractions, and finally picking up the win with a distraction and a, sh- a shatter machine. So, uh, revival beating the Usos. We thought that was going to happen because there's probably going to be a rematch with yeah. more stakes at SummerSlam, which is they need. They need to build up this feud a bit more. It needs to get a little hotter, right? It's not really there yet. Give, give me it's more. Just more. Yeah, give me more of this. It's fine to have more of this. I don't mind if they do a repeat of this match because I feel that there's more these guys can do. And there's these are two of the best tag teams, not only in WWE, but in the world. Uh, I can say that without any hyperbole. They just they are. So there's a lot more work they could do beyond this because they were just the second match on the card. So they, they didn't want to go all out here, and nor should they have. This was exactly the kind of match that should have been where it was and the revival retains, so we can have a babyface win for the Usos, hopefully, down the road. So not Tai Chi and Yoshihashi uh, <gasps> levels. <gasps> All right, moving on. <laughs> we oh. finally got to see Alistair Black have a match, a singles match. Ro- on singles the main match roster. on the main roster, finally. Oh. And I, I have to say, I was nervous because the last few weeks of him losing his mind in a dark room because no one wants to fight him, wah, wah. Uh, has been really disturbing to me. I just like, yeah. like character assassination wise. Like, what are you doing? Uh, why are you doing this to this character? This makes no sense. And then Cesaro came along and, and was the guy who challenged him. And people were like, why Cesaro? And stepping back, you go, well, these are two incredibly proficient technical wrestlers and strikers, just workers in the ring in general. They'll probably put on a good match. I swear to God, Nick, I didn't think about all of that stupid backstage bullcrap this entire match it was just too good it was just too good all they did was just hit each other they beat the absolute shit awesome. out of each other and that's exactly <laughs> what we wanted to see this Stiff. entire time it's exactly Stiff. why cesaro got picked for this uh i think uh you know there were several people last week that went oh god cesaro really yeah and i went no no wait no just wait, wait. <laughs> They'll bring out the best in each other, and they did. They brought out the best in each other. Uh, Cesaro is a is a great heel worker, and you saw that here with him mocking Alistair Black and you know doing the sit down pose, and Alistair Black kicking the crap out of him outside the ring and doing his own sit down pose. Um, and then it just proceeded to just be strike after strike. Cesaro going off with European uppercuts, and Alistair Black going off with kicks. And the finish was great because it felt like 
I mean, obviously didn't feel like a real fight per se, but it was, you know, Cesaro pissing off Aleister Black enough that he goes on a flurry of strikes. And finally, while they're trying to exchange and Cesaro's trying to dodge and, you know, come back with a strike, Aleister slips in a black mask for the one, two, three. Um, and it wasn't like Cesaro looked weak. He, you know, at one point, he almost KO'd Aleister Black with this monstrous European uppercut, and Aleister Black had to grab for the ropes instead of kicking out. So they both look great here. Aleister Black looks like a, a beast again, thank God. They still have the creaky effects on his damage. His entrance still looks like crap, Nick. Yeah, it does. It's a, they actually, you can see like the little, like the felt, uh, the felt drapes that they have the candle set on. Like it looks. I'm like, how are you so incompetent? It's like a middle school shooting theater this. project in a way. It's, it's awful. It's like, dude, it's 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 camera work one one oh one, directing one oh one this stuff. Like this is the yeah, no, it's 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 atrocious. How well they did it in NXT versus how poorly they shoot it on the main roster, how is it the same company? You know, that's the, it's one of those things that just consistently makes me insane. Where and and by the way, you know, just so no one comes down to me for, for, for crapping on Kevin Dunn for no reason, there was a lot of incredibly good camera work tonight mm-hmm. and a lot of really good, like, the catching moments and catching shots and zooming in at the right time and framing things right. There was actually a lot of really good camera work on the show. This just was glaringly bad, and it's such an easy fix. It makes me nuts. Yeah. It makes me nuts. I'm going to keep going off on it. Somebody get me a, a, a ice cube to put down the back of my neck. I but I'm going to end this on a positive. Ah! Because that there was one thing that stood out to me during this match. There was this one sequence where Alistair just like spider crawled up on him and transitioned him down into a knee bar and like slid down him like a fireman's pole, grabbed his leg, whipped him, dragon whipped him around and put his leg in a knee bar. I had never, I don't think I've seen anything like that since, you know, like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in the Olympics. Uh, and then transitioning from that Cesaro rolled him over and curled him up into a sharpshooter this exchange we had two or three of these kinds of exchanges and I think it was just uh, just a little wet of the appetite because what these two guys are capable of doing oh man that's why I went nuts when I first I found out everybody's like oh I wanted Bray Wyatt no Cesaro is legit something like this this is why I always hated the bar is because it cornered Cesaro into this thing where he didn't really anyway. I don't want to get well, down to that. Brawler. He became more of a brawler like Sheamus and less of a technical guy. You know, he would still do some stuff, but it was a lot of brawling. Yeah. Which is which is fine. He's a good brawler too, but he's a very well rounded guy. Again, this was all around, this was fantastic. I kind of hope it continues, although I picked Cesaro on what you will admit was my flyer. I called it my flyer. You did. Um but I thought they might try to get Cesaro over and then have Alistair come back. But no, so Alistair won here. It was kind of the obvious pick. Right. Um, and, and, and I just hope it continues. I don't know who else they would give Alistair to really kind of set him off on the right path after this kind of awkward backstage crap. Uh, the other question I have is why are they now calling him the Dark Destroyer <laughs> instead of the Dutch Destroyer? Because it doesn't matter whether he's Dutch or not. I don't know. They don't want to make him them, dark and brooding. Don't and, let them know he's foreign. Right. They don't like the he foreign He must be ones. face, no foreign heat. Even though I the Dutch are like the nicest people in the world. Yeah, and it, it <laughs> connects him more with his whole like black metal thing he has going. Anyway, whatever. It's, it's, that's, that that, is that's so, Norway. Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole Scandinavian region, bro. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's, but it's the... It's, <laughs> I just turned to Vince Russo there for a second. Bro. 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 Or Matt Riddle. 
Um, imagine if they ever had a kid. The kid would only ever speak in bros. Oh God, I don't know. Anyway, if continue uh, this show yeah. anymore now. Good lord, <laughs> Vince Vince Riddle. Uh, no, I. So that kind of irritates me. It's it's one of those like just. It, things, vestigial things that WWE has where like, if they're foreign, they gotta be bad guys. We can't have good guys be foreign at all. Yeah. So, I don't know. It just it popped out at me and made me nuts. Yeah. But uh, but you took the lead on this one, Nick. You called this one. I went nuts and picked Cesaro like an idiot. But uh, as I was as I was beating myself up for that, we went and had the next match, which was Bailey defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. A two-on-one match, which I frankly had lots of high hopes for. Me too. And it was a well-worked match. More That's entertaining than I expected it to be. A <laughs> yeah. trope of this show for me. Yeah. I, I honestly think Nikki really brought the best out of Bailey. to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. It kind of underlined to me how Alexa is just not that good of a wrestler because she's had matches with a lot of people and they just have not been that good. But then Nikki comes along with Bailey, and it's like, oh, there we go. Now we're having some fun. Now we're having some good stuff. Did, did you get that too, or did you did you think that Alexa was holding up her end of the bargain here, or was it just Nikki and Bailey having all the good stuff? Nikki and Bailey having all the good stuff. This was not about Alexa Bliss. This right. is a end around way to get Nikki Cross uh, up there and visible. It's what this whole thing's been about. Has been about Nikki Cross, not about Bailey or not about Alexa Bliss. I'm excited about that. I was. I was a little bit perturbed with the way that it ended because this is not it, it, it has several ramifications the way that they ended this. And it it where do they go from here? Are they gonna continue this? I guess we'll find out tonight or, or tomorrow, sorry, uh on, on SmackDown. But okay. Okay, now what? Right? Well, and that's more of the things you said the ending drove you nuts. What ending? The match ended. Bailey pinned uh Nikki Cross. And then that was it. And was even it? the crowd, even the crowd there was looking around like, "Okay, do something, do something." So nothing happened. Like, Alexa what was all this build for the last two months? To Alexa get to didn't this. turn on Nikki. Yeah, because the whole thing was, you know, well, if Nikki gets pinned, Alexa's going to turn on her. Nothing happened. Nothing. Nothing. It Bailey just won. She's still the champ. Which, by the way, like like I said on the show, I hope that's what happens because Bailey needs the, to be strong. Uh, but we both picked Alexa and Nikki to win this because we thought that's where the story was. And Bailey just won and there was no story. Yeah. Philly gave bizarre. us some we want Sasha chance, by the way. Good for Philly. Yep. But so that's that's up to Sasha at this point. Yeah. Yep. But I, I I don't know. This was weird to me. Neither one of us saw Bailey anything. coming uh, out of this with the title. We both picked uh, Alexa and Nikki for various multitudes of reasons that would have made sense. But nope. Bailey, yeah. Bailey retains. Bailey, Bailey is still retained, which is fine. I just want they better do something with uh, Alexa and Nikki. They they, they should have done it on this show. Yeah. But if they got something that they're waiting for, or they just didn't have it ready, all right. But uh, you know, Alexa Bliss is now in a fatal four way to be uh, the challenge. Well, I don't want to spoil make any spoilers yet. If you haven't seen the show, I don't want to spoil it for you. But I'll, we'll get to that at the end of the show. Okay. All right, we'll do that. We'll move on to the next match. Uh, your boy Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley. In a last man standing match, I don't. Even, I don't know if I could call this a match, Nick. This was more like a Bruiser Brody destroy everything in the arena and scare people in the audience. Two big dudes breaking stuff all over the place. Match. Yeah. But yep. Were you? Did you like this? Did you like the way that this was just two big dudes brawling in the audience? From Here's what Bruce I'll say. Entire match. I want my big dudes to be just big, uh, unwithering behemoths. 
I don't want little. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to punt. There was, my point is there was too much selling going on between two guys that are three fifty uh, plus, and the and the stumbling and the wobbly legs and all that kind of stuff. And I get it to an extent, but it's a it's a bit much. There's part of me that wants these two guys to just be Ishii style, just no sells <laughs> everything. This right? is the problem with this time of year is that we all start watching too much New Japan and we're like, why doesn't WWE do New Japan That's stuff? That's not what, what w- I mean. That's not what I, I want. I want a 385-pound man to be able to take a punch and just not even phase him at all, right? You want Not you until want he be... takes Bobby Lashley and throws him into the merch wall yeah. five feet off the ground and then lands on concrete. Okay, cool. You can stagger a you little say, bit. You could sell now. <laughs> yeah. Not until now you get you power sell. slammed two stories off the se- the seats into obviously padded pre-built box, but whatever. It will go with it. We'll have that fun. Was, so that's the part I want to talk about okay. is that the big, there was a couple of big spots in this match, but the big spot was Braun and Bobby being up on Basically, what you could tell as this whole thing progressed was an entranceway to the ring, and they were in the stands above this entranceway. So probably like 15 feet off the floor. And WWE had constructed a plywood box that filled this entryway and uh, put a little like you know fake wood gate at the top that Braun kicked open and then power slammed Bobby Lashley all the way down through it. He went with him. And... Frankly, initially, it looked great. It reminded yeah. me of some of the, the crazy spots you've seen in like, like Lucha Underground did a couple of these spots. They did one where like the, the guys uh, went for, through the back Phoenix of the would come through the office or something. Right. Or they went through the top of the office. Exactly. Yeah. And um, or there's one where the, I, th- I forget if it was uh, uh, who was a Dragon Azteca and Mil Mortes chokeslammed him through the bleachers. And Delico like, did one, too, I believe, off the top. There's there. They did. They did a bunch of these. Yeah. These kinds of things where dudes just do a big move and just disappear into the debris. And it looked great. Yeah. And this started off looking that way, where like they go down through this plywood, and the first camera angle they have, it looks like they just went down straight to hell. Yeah. Like we don't know where the hell they went. There was, what the heck, there's some sort of structure there, and they just went down through it. And they had some it's pyro, uh, like they did when they, <laughs> when they burst through the LED wall. Uh, yeah. Like explode up out of there or something flames. like that. Well, this is, this is the thing. All right. This, ha- this structure, whatever it was, had no logical reason. Again, sorry, Nick. Logic. Yeah. No logical reason to be there. We had no explanation for what this actually was other than a random box-like thing in one of the entrances, covering up the entire entrance. Uh, so it just it was weirdly obtrusive just where it was. But on top of that, at one point, the camera kind of gets up and behind where they fell off of. And you look down, you see Braun crawling around in all the pads in the bottom. And it's just like, oh, uh, disbelief suspended disbelief you know i I was okay with all this because at the end braun Strowman burst through the wall like the (laughs) kool-aid man yeah he he punches his way through the front of this big elbow comes flying through the wall and just splinters everything everywhere and i'm like yes (laughs) yes that's exactly what i want my big men to do they saved it with him bursting (laughs) through the front for sure but it was definitely one of those things where I was like, guys, it, it doesn't take much to just give this a little bit of purpose, like figure out what this this structure actually is, dress it up a little bit. Don't just have like a, I don't know, I'm nitpicking maybe, but like, it, but that's the problem. I look down and I see the pads and immediately my brain goes, ah, how could you have done this better, guys? I'm not marking out anymore. Now my now you've killed my, my, my suspension of disbelief. Now I'm back in it. Uh, 
you know, and only like the kind of little kid in me that went like <laughs> when Braun Strowman came bursting through the thing was the only thing that saved it at that point. Yeah. And then, of course, Lashley gets counted down because, you know, he's just in there dead on his nice comfy pads. Right. But but uh, yeah, so in some ways, this is another one of the camera shots I wanted to be like, no, what did you do? The execution, not 100 percent. The the concept uh, sorry, the concept, not 100%. The execution, they did as, as well as they could except for that one camera angle. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I ain't mad at it. I loved it. It was big I know dudes you're not. doing big spots <laughs> and beating the absolute shit out of each other all over the arena. We love it when they go up into the stands, into the, Which uh, is, into by the, the arena. Way, this is how Braun Strowman made his bread and butter in the first place. And this is how Bobby Lashley should be used. Yep. You have this giant behemoth of a guy in Bobby Lashley, obviously Strowman is a whole nother level, but Lashley is a freaking genetic abnormality. That guy's got muscles on muscles. So he looks the part like someone who could toe-to-toe with Strowman. So these guys, you know, bumping and, and humping all around the, the, the arena looks awesome, and it feels awesome because it feels like a couple of classic WWE wrestling, behemoths beating up behemoths, like yep. you said. So, well, well, good use for both of these guys and good use of tag teams in our next match the New Day versus Heavy Machinery versus the Planet's Champions, Daniel mm. Bryan and Eric Rowan, for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships. Now, we called Braun Strowman picking up the win in the last match. Yeah. We were both wrong on this one. And we each picked, <laughs> we picked different people. I don't think we were anybody saw this coming. I certainly didn't because it didn't seem like the right time. Or I, I, Yeah, all I know is this was a fantastically entertaining match. Yes, it was. It was it was well worked. It was a well told story. Uh, everyone had a great little moment. Everyone got their work in. You know, no matter what your move is, you got your move in. Um, and it was entertaining as hell the entire time. And the ending was fantastic because you had Biggie kneeling and taking the Daniel Bryan, whatever they're called now, planets kicks. Um, and Biggie started no selling him. He just hulked up, hulked up, stood right up. Daniel Bryan started slapping. He said, Come on, slap me some more. <laughs> Daniel Bryan slapped him some more. He said, come on, slap me some more. Daniel Bryan slapped him some more. And then he catches one of the slaps. And he gives him a lariat and turns him inside out. And then he picks up Daniel Bryan on his shoulder. And Daniel Bryan's squirming like a little child on Biggie's massive shoulders. And Xavier Woods comes in. Midnight, midnight hour. One, two, three. The New Day are six, six time tag team champions. What? I can't wait to, to for the cameras to cut to the audience and for people to continue to screw up. That's one of my favorite things about the the New Day. Quick sidebar. It's one of my favorite things about the New, new Day coming in is when you hear Biggie go, oh, and, and you, the camera cuts to the crowd and they're all trying to do the chant. They along. inevitably screw it up somewhere or Biggie yeah, like, changes something. Well, he's like, now that, now that Kofi's the champ, he throws the Kofi reference in there and people are like, oh, yeah, there's that. Well, they forget how many times they've been champions because they keep getting more championships. Now but it's six, six-time champs. Six, six. So New yeah. Day draped in gold. Draped in oh, gold. All take the SmackDown that undisputed era. All the SmackDown gold tag team champions and the WWE champion. Um, are so a couple things. Are you glad because heavy, heavy machinery was in here being fun? Should this have just been New Day and Daniel Bryan and Rowan, or was this a better idea to have this be a three-way? No, I, I'm okay with this because Heavy Machinery looked great. They didn't eat the pen. Uh, Daniel Bryan ate the pen, uh, and it's, I'm fine with it. I got other things. Which was wild, by the way. 
I, I agree. I totally agree. I was shocked. I'm very shocked. Very shocked that New Day won. Very shocked that Daniel Bryan was the one that ate the pin. Uh, but I've but got my... I've, well, let me finish way, my thought real quick. Tinfoil hat coming up. Okay. Uh, the, I'm not mad at this for Heavy Machinery because they put on a... They've had great couple of weeks of matches, and they had a great match here in this three-way sort of tornado tag, and I think they are off to the races. It's, it's, it's not if, it's when they get those titles. They're, they're looking fantastic. They're being put in the position to just go out there and do the things that they do best, and that's entertain with really good tag wrestling, yep. and the, the crowd is reacting accordingly. So, yep. no, good for them. But real quick, my tinfoil hat moment. You realize now that uh, Daniel Bryan has official beef with all three New Day members. Well, he's been beaten now by all three New Day members. I'm just throwing that out there. Things to think about. Mm-hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Yeah. I think they got other come back. plans I'm a, I'm a, for, for Daniel Bryan. I'm going to come back on this. I'm going to come back on this. <laughs> uh, but I will say this, that after this, Daniel Bryan was backstage screaming he's done with the tag division. It was caught on WWE.com. Good. So you can go look at that. By the way, another another amazing promo ah. by Daniel Bryan. Go look that. Look it up. Look up this on, on WWE's YouTube. Daniel Bryan uh, complaining after this match. It's another just lights out. The dude is up there for the best promos in the WWE. He's just lights out right now. Yeah. Um, if if Daniel Bryan and Rowan do break up, what happens to Rowan? What happens to Rowan's shirt? Rowan's shirt watch! Rowan, Rowan's shirt watch! Rowan this shirt one, watch. I, I actually paused and rewound and tried to find it, but it was such a... His damn beard was covering the band name. <laughs> right. Or he, it was that beard. crazy skull crown graphic with like this the yeah. crazy Celtic font kind of stuff going I on. Finally Gaelic font. Finally picked it up. Finally picked it up and got it, but it took me a while. And okay. it's a band I haven't thought of in a long time either because they're weird, but they're good. They're very good. It's a Finnish black slash folk metal, because Rowan loves folk metal, black slash folk metal band called Fintroll. Um, okay. And yeah, they're a little more obscure, but if I don't know. They're good. Do they troll Finn Balor? They do not. They do not. However, uh, I've, I've heard a rumor that uh, Rowan will be teaming with Finn, with Finn Balor, and that uh, whenever the, de- the demon comes out, that Rowan will come out dressed as a troll. And he'll be the Finn troll. And he'll come out. Uh... Moving on! Neither of us picked this up. You picked up Heavy Machinery, and uh, I picked uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan, but that didn't happen. New Day is your champs again. No! And uh, and uh, we had a little moment where Paul Heyman came out in his in Philadelphia and said, I am Philadelphia. I am, uh, I am extreme. I am extreme. This is weird because, you know, I expected him to be like, we're going to get extreme. And instead he said, I want to make history in Philadelphia. And I was like, oh, well, so he basically said, yeah, Brock's going to cash in. And everyone kind of went, but is he, but is he, uh, because as we said on the show, Paul's now in this weird limbo of being the boy who cried wolf. How many times can he say, oh, Brock might be here tonight. Brock's going to do this, Brock's going to do that. And we're like, eh, but is he? But he so. said WWE first without the Andor Universal. And I started to go, oh, he's yeah. gonna, he is going to cash in on Kofi. Yeah, he. I, I definitely think this was that was very intentional, very trolly of mm. him. Not Finn trolly. Not Finn trolly, okay. but very trolly. <laughs> uh, so our next big match was AJ Styles versus Ricochet for the U.S. title, which was my match of the night. Ugh. Easily, <laughs> easily. Uh, these guys have been working perfectly. Where their their TV matches have been getting better and better, and they finally were like, "Cool, we're in a pay per view. We can really let loose. We're gonna." And they did. 
And I have to say that, you know, if it weren't for all the club interference, uh, this would have been a near perfect match. And that, and they had to have the interference. That's just the part. That's just the story is Anderson and Gallows getting involved and messing with Ricochet and helping AJ. You know, that's, that's part of it. But, uh, my God, this was good. My God, this was good. Yeah. Please, please more, but just, yeah, more. Give please. Me, give, I, mean, I can't, I can't possibly go to that bowl more enough. Just please keep giving me the matches with those two guys. Well, I mean, good they Lord. work so well together. The, their their chemistry is so good because Ricochet is like a young, even more impossibly spry AJ Styles. And AJ, of course, having come up using that style, is now like, okay, I know how to work with this style. And they've and WWE has made Ricochet slow down. They've made him chill out on his spots, and now he uses his spots very sparingly. And he's after, he's able to tell a story in the ring, and his selling is incredible. And this match's selling was great again. Yeah, and you had. Uh, basically, the story of this match was having Anderson and Gallows interfere and costing Ricochet the title, and and that's what happened. You know, Ricochet is no longer the U.S. champion. Which is now, Nick, I want to get your opinion on this. Are they hot potatoing this U.S. championship too much? Because Ricochet just got this. Is this another like? I mean, was this? Do you think this was the original idea when they put this title on Ricochet? Was Hey, we're gonna have you and AJ feud. AJ's gonna take it off of you, and then we're gonna have a continuing feud. Or was this like we gotta get the title on AJ right now? Kind of like the Shinsuke Intercontinental uh, title change. Um, I don't know. I have I'm undetermined at this point. I think it might they might have put it on Ricochet to give time for AJ to to flip, uh, reform the club, and then give it back to him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Gallows and Anderson start showing up in the tag team picture. Um, as a yeah. you know. I, so if they're going to go through with this whole club rebuild again, which I'm all in on, all in yes. on, I love that, um, because it gives Gallows and Anderson something to do and actually be on TV, yes, I'm all in for it. You're all in, but are you AEW all in for it? Don't go there. I'm they, just they saying. Just signed, How they, serious They just signed new big contracts. They're very happy. They're fine. Um, just- but... It, as far as hot potatoing the U.S. title, though, I think that's worth discussing. So, uh, is this is it as bad as the twenty four seven title? No. Well, uh, but am I mad not. at it constantly being in contention, up for grabs, and anybody can get it? Yes. Does that sound like the twenty four seven title a little bit? But I want it but to. It, no, I want it, it's. I want it to be the everyman title in a way. Okay. You know, I want it to. I want that to be the title because not everybody can be Intercontinental Champion. Not everybody can be WWE Champion. But everybody's kind of got a shot at being the U.S. Champion. So you're so, saying you want it to be the European Championship? Pretty much. Oh, which is Nick. kind of what I view it as, frankly. I but that's the thing. I it sh- I don't think it should be. I think it should have it. The European Championship was kind of a joke. Like it was just it was just kind of to give someone a belt uh, on the lower mid card. Whereas at, for a time there, I mean, the U.S. Championship has an actual like venerable legacy. That's that's it actually has a history sure. that's important. You know what I mean? Just ask Harley Race. It's got a very important history, uh, which the European Championship did not. Fine. And so to have it used as essentially a prop, of course, which is you know arguably a, most of the WWE belts are props, but to have it be used as a prop. It's it's a little bit disconcerting. For a while there, it was actually coming back into prominence with John Cena's U.S. Open Challenge, um, and then there was a, a few times after that where the U.S. title really felt like it was something important. I'm not saying it doesn't now, 
I think that giving it to Ricochet and having it go to AJ is is a good thing. It was a quick transition, but I think it's a good thing. It makes sense in the story. My only question is, where do we go from here? Now AJ is this champ. They obviously wanted to give the club a, a, a like a a little beacon of how powerful they were. You know, a, a prop to show how powerful they were. Look, we're we have championship gold in our little faction. Cool. Good. That's a good call. But what happens to Ricochet now? Because, mm. you know, I, they're obviously high on him. He's fine. They're obviously high on him. He's He'll be fine. fine. But what does he do now? Does, do they, can, does he keep feuding with the club and AJ and is chasing? Because I, I wouldn't mind him chasing. He's a, he's a baby face. It works well for him. Yeah. Be that underdog little guy chasing stuff. I mean, ask me again on Thursday. Let's see what happens uh, tonight and tomorrow. Because All right. I think that'll tell us uh, very quickly, you know, what, where the, it's probably going to go back and forth between him and AJ for some time. But uh, yeah, probably ending up as a rematch at summer. I would rather they didn't hot potato it. Is all I'm saying. Neither oh, of us call this. We both thought Ricochet was going to retain for this exact reason because we didn't think they were going to hot potato it. Right. But uh, but no, they gave it to Styles, and I'm curious to see know? where they go with <laughs> go with from this. What do we know? Sometimes they listen. Sometimes they don't. Yep. Um, <laughs> Good shit. Damn it. Yeah, they listen to us, but then Vince goes and changes stuff. Right. So you know, it's it's all Vince. Yeah. Uh, our next match: Kevin Owens defeats Dolph Ziggler in. 16 seconds, I think it was. Three seconds? Well, right. it was from the bell ring because they were jawing for a while. Yeah. You had, uh, you know, this was match was, was added late, and as sometimes happens with late added matches, it was a squash. Uh, Kevin Owens and Dolph Ziggler came to the ring and immediately started jawing at each other. Dolph slapped Kevin. Kevin looked disgruntled, gave him a stunner, one, two, three, matches over, and Kevin Owens grabs a mic and starts screaming about how Shane McMahon can't cut his mic or fire him, and... Uh, yeah, F you, Shane. You're, uh, I want to kick your ass like everyone in here does. Mwah. All, all right. Magic. All right, Kevin. This was absolute right. magic. Do you I, think now that uh, this whole I, I would thing have rather have Drew, seen him go off on the mic than see him have an actual match with Dolph Ziggler? Uh, I, this, this was fantastic. This was, a, this was as well as they could have done this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's, then there's two aspects about this I want to talk about. And one is they're obviously going the stone cold route with Kevin Owens fairly, fairly blatantly. Uh, which is fine. Not mad at that. But do you think that Shane now pivots to primarily face Kevin and mm-hmm. we have a Shane and Kevin feud? And if so... Yeah, because Roman's going to be having, busy. He's got to go get the title at SummerSlam. Sh- 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 yes, yes. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the, my question here is, is, you know, one of the things Kevin was saying was that we were sick of having Shane on TV. He was tweeting about how these people don't get TV time because Shane does. If he pivots and goes into a feud with Shane, that's more Shane TV time while he's feuding with Kevin. And we've already seen that, which culminated at Hell in a Cell with Shane jumping with Sa- off the cell and, and Sammy, Sammy pulling, pulling him out of the way. And Yeah. I mean, shit, we've been we've here seen this two years ago. We've seen this in reverse. I don't know if I need to see it in reverse again. I like Kevin as being the anti-authoritarian ass kicker who just runs in and breaks rules and gives people stunners and runs away. I don't know where I've seen that before. But, but is I, he but, able to do that if Shane had not been on TV the last six months? Well, well, obviously, that's, that was one of the things we talked about on the show this week. Was, like, was this just them screwing up and putting Shane on too much and driving people nuts? Or was that intentional? Like They were trying to get Shane to be this hated so that they could have someone like Kevin Owens come along and be like, yeah, and, see and pipe how bomb he's him, yeah. Pipe bomb him, essentially. But how many people? How many viewers did they lose because of that? I mean, obviously not enough. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It was it was the whole thing's kind of weird to me. But uh, I do like Kevin Owens as being the 
the ass kicker. The question I have is Dolph Ziggler. He keeps protesting that he's not this thing, this kind of like this, this you, you, you know, a guy who's just being utilized in the upper mid card to put guys over and that he's actually worth something. And then he goes, this happens to him. Like this keeps, this is the, this is the cycle of Ziggler where he comes in, builds himself up and then squash, builds himself up and then gets beaten in a match. He's, he's run his mouth on a whole lot. Like, like it's, it's, it's decreasing dividends. People are getting sick of seeing this. It's why this match was so brilliant. No one wanted to see this match. No, no one cared because people have stopped caring about Dolph Ziggler because WWE has forced us to stop caring about Dolph Ziggler, which is a tragedy because the dude is talented as hell. But uh, I, I don't know yep. about you. Do you feel like you're like, are you burnt out on Ziggler? Oh, a long time ago. Do you think he needs a reboot? Do you think a reboot would help at this, help at this point? I think they've tried that twice already. I think they tried it with the record scratch stuff, and then they tried it again here with the whole should have been. It should have been me. I think he needs like a ground up one, like new entrance music, no. everything. No. He just needs everything. to go back to being the, the bleach blonde, curly with a perm show off, coming out, glistening, just being that. Oh, you want nostalgia, Ziggler. I want, I want old world champion money in the bank, Ziggler. With AJ Lee I've, and Big E at his side and just yeah. the absolute show off. Shit talking, I, but he could also he could talk the talk and he could walk the walk. Right now, I don't believe a effing word he says, and I'm over it. I hate to tell you, Nick, I think that ship has flown. Not sure. So so to speak. Uh neither of us picked this because we didn't know this match was happening. Yay! Okay. Uh, Next, we start getting into our championship matches. Kofi Kingston versus Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship. Nick, what the hell happened here? This was a home run in the making, and this match was not terrible because both these guys are really good workers, but it wasn't good. No. It no. wasn't good. It was, I mean, there's a couple it of happened. like flipping the birds to each other. It happened. It happened. I, it wasn't that's the it, outcome I it. expected. It wasn't what I had hoped to see. Uh, I had some pretty crazy, fantastical sort of things that I had hoped we would get to because I didn't think this would be an exciting match in its vanilla state as it is without any stipulation, without anything at an Extreme Rules pay-per-view. You're just going to have somebody like Samoa Joe going up against sort of the wiry but wily Kofi Kingston I, you know, I, there, this needed something to just oomph it, just like goose it a little bit. Yeah. And here's the, here's the, there's two problems that I had with this. One was the finish just came out of nowhere and it was Joe eating a trouble in paradise for the one, two, three, which has been kind of Joe's. And when he goes for world titles, that seems to be his thing as he looks great the entire match and then goes out to one finishing move. Like he's got a glass jaw or something. Right. Um, he's only ever won. I believe one world title match and that was a disqualification. So he didn't pick up the, the belt. He's lost six in a row and all pretty much the same. So, you know, with the exception of like a couple of times in the AJ styles feud, he's kind of looked like crap in all of his world title matches. And here again, he looked good. The entire match, he looked like he was solid. He was holding his own. And then at the end, boom, he's done. And with a guy like Samoa Joe who comes out and presents himself as a killer, as a guy who can just absolutely destroy you and your family and everyone you love, that is, uh, like Dolph Ziggler, it's going to pay decreasing dividends as time goes on. Because at a certain point, people are going to be like, oh yeah, Joe, you're really scary. You can't win a freaking match. You can't pull it down when it's time. 
So that was what I came away from this thinking was what could they have done here to make Joe look better? Have him win. Or have him, I, I don't know, kick out you know, a finishing Butter, move. Butter said it in the chat. Is but. this Bray Wyatt 2.0? Has Bingo. Can Joe, can Joe win a match? Can we give Joe something? Can we throw this guy a bone at least? And, at uh, least build, Bray Wyatt won the WWE Championship. For yeah, and look, months. and then look how his look how his run went. And then he ended up in but, a House of Horrors match with, and it was just a nightmare. Maggots uh, my, in the my, ring. My maggots point is, is that ring. Joe is putting being put. If you go all the way back to last summer with like the Fatal Five Way for the Universal Championship, uh, Joe has been kind of all along the way over the course of the last year. In some, some he's been along for the ride. He just hasn't won, other than like Rey yeah. Mysterio for the U.S. Championship at WrestleMania. He squashed him. That's it. That's like his <sighs> big moment. Okay. No, I, I think you're on to something there. This feels very akin to, to you know two, three years ago, Bray Wyatt and just not being able to close. Just and misusing a guy who you could absolutely have be a major title contender, main event guy for years still, um, and having him constantly lose and lose clean and lose looking like he has a glass jaw. It ain't doing you any favors. Uh, that there being there said, might does, be does, nobody better in the in the wrestling business today on a microphone than Samoa Joe, and the other, oh, he's he's monstrous. But the other thing that that handicapped this match was the fact that everyone kept looking for Brock to come out. Maybe. Everyone, people in the audience were saying, "We want Brock." No, we don't. Yeah, yeah. You were looking for it. You would you would actually given a plus yeah. one on your pickums yeah. that he was going to cash in on this match, and when he didn't, and the finishes kind of just happened. The, the crowd was like, because I didn't think I was like, Ugh. no way in hell they're taking those belts off of Becky and Seth. Because did you know they're dating, by the way? Are they dating? Are they boyfriend and girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. Are they seeing each other? Oh, man. Is, is, he, the, is he the man's man? It's kind of serial. It's, it's super mm. serial at this point. Super serial. Yeah. Well, okay. So does Joe get this rematch? And if not, who does Kofi face at SummerSlam now? Like, who are they going to build up for him? <laughs> or do we actually get... Do we actually get a decent Joe feud and have him be the one to finally take it off Kofi? Would that redeem this? Roman Reigns. <clears throat> Roman Reigns. Takes it off of Kofi? Maybe. This is why it doesn't make sense. Like, why not have Joe win here and have Roman take it off of Joe? That, that, that would have been... Yes! Right? The, the thing that makes no sense is the fact that... Look, Kofi, we love you. I'm going to speak <laughs> directly to you right now. We love you, my friend. You have been a, you've had a great 11-year run. You had a great three- to four-month run with the championship. Your run-up to WrestleMania was amazing. But time to move on. Time's changed. Short, short attention span Howell wants you to drop yes. the belt. Uh, short attention span WWE Universe. Uh, it's, oh. We need to do something else. Oh, you speak else. for everyone. You speak for everyone now, do you? I... I I think I speak for a majority of folks to say, to say that the Kofi Kingston WWE Championship run is getting a little long in the tooth. I disagree. I okay. disagree. I, th I think that it would have, if you're going to put the title on Roman, put it on Joe here and then give it to Roman. If you're yes. not going to put it on Roman, who's Kofi going to face? I'm down to watch him face more people. I'm down to have the New Day draped in gold. I think this is going to be an interesting run. And it's, I don't, I'm not sick of it yet. I think the New Day is. It, it, one of the greatest factions to have ever existed in WWE. We're in I'm the middle of the of, new day yet. Well, Kofi is part of the new day, Nick. Uh, I, I mean, the new day, the tag team. Yes. I, uh, I think well, it's, I want my big boys to have my big boy championships. That's funny stat. Call funny me stat. biased. Did you know, this is the first time this configuration of new day has won the tag team belts. Usually Kofi's, uh, Kofi's been involved in every other time. 
Yeah, this is the right. first time that Xavier, Xavier is e, the odd man out, or or Big E. It's like Xavier and Kofi have won the belts. Big E and Kofi have won the belts. Xavier and Big E have never won the belts. Hmm. Kind of cool. Kind of hmm. cool little stat. Uh, but yeah, very curious to see where they go with Kofi after this. I did call that Kofi was going to win here. You wanted Brock to cash in and Joe to win on Joe. You want Brock to cash in on Joe yep. and take it off. None of that Att- happened. Attempt to cash in. I didn't think he None would be successful. Happened. Well, you, you still called a cash in here, and it didn't happen. But it might have happened in the next match. If you listen to Paul Heyman, you might have happened after the next match, which was Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin for all of the champions, for the Raw Women's, for the Universal Championship. So it was, uh, it was a match. No, I enjoyed this. I, again, I'll, I'll say it again. I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. Lacey came it out. Was, one of the big things was Lacey came out. Oh, and yeah. She had Seth written in cursive, uh, S-E on one cheek and T-H and on the TH. other cheek. And they did a that real camera. close pull-in with the camera on Woo! her butt. I was like, whoa, oh, not oh I see. <laughs> Best part is Baron Corbin applauding as soon as they pull back. Like He was like, yeah, that was a good shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, look at oh, And look. I know they were trying to get the lettering on her butt. Like, get the lettering on her butt. But it looked like the most, if you, if you, okay, so we're in the middle of watching a whole bunch of New Japan, everybody, right? We're all watching the G1. Right. If you ever watch Yujiro Takahashi come out, or even sometimes if you've got, like, sometimes it'll happen with, with uh, Tai Chi. Yeah. Anyone who's got, like, the hot valet, if they're in any kind of short shorts or thongs, that camera guy in New Japan is the biggest perv. He will be halfway up that girl's backside as soon as she gets to those ropes and tries to get into the ring. Yeah. This was a New Japan cameraman move right here. <laughs> <laughs> she gets, she goes to get in the ring, and he goes, boop, gets right up in it. Um, I have to say, I was definitely, I was like, well, WWE, um, hmm, we are getting a little extreme, aren't we? Not forget PG. Uh, yeah, that was so. That was one thing. But then the match happened, and it got a little. This definitely did get a little bit more extreme than I thought they were going to get, mostly with kendo sticks. And one big table spot in the outside where uh, Becky dropped the, a leg on Lacey on, a, on one table and Seth went flying over her with a frog splash on a Baron Corbin on another table, which was pretty cool. That was cool. Um, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of hard hitting with some, with, some, with some materials. Becky did a Van Daminator. That was cool. They call it the Van Maninator, which is stupid. That's kind of silly. It was, I, it was, I missed that. Yeah, but it was, but it was cool. I dug it. But uh, the real meat of this match happened in the finish, and that was uh, Becky saving Seth and then Baron giving her a freaking end of days, and the crowd blew up. I blew and up. He said, I popped and hard. Seth is over in the corner staring at him, staring at Becky's body, and, uh, and staring back up at Corbin. <laughs> and Corbin, and they, 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 they zoom in on Corbin's face, and he turns to Seth and goes, what are you going to do about it, you little piece of shit? No bleep. And uh, <laughs> loud as can be. And Seth proceeds to, when I say, you know, a lot of times, Nick, we hyperbolize. We hyperbolize. No, we hyperbolize. From time to time, it's been known to happen. When I say that Seth Rollins proceeded to absolutely murder Baron Corbin, like, ju- like just murder him, he murdered that boy. He took a kendo stick and whooped him like a government mule. He, he, he beat him like a boxing bag. He then curb stomped him three times in a row. Baron Corbin isn't just dead. He's dead, dead. He's dead, resurrected, and dead again. They, he buried him. He dug him up. 
He killed him again. He stuck him back in the grave. He dead. Yeah. He dead. Uh, um, thank you, Brad, for the reminder in the chat, by the way. The thing I need to call out, they finally let Lacey break her moonsault move out. She did the jumping, yes. spin around, Ray Phoenix-esque yes. moonsault. Holy smokes, that thing, thing looked amazing. Thing of beauty. It's, oh. I mean, Lacey is still green. Southern Charlotte she, can also do a moonsault. <laughs> yes, she can. A better one. Yeah. Uh, a, a one where she leaps up to get into position. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Lacey probably needed more time in developmental. But, damn, the girl's got some stuff she can pull out. And her presence is great. She, she acts like someone who deserves to be there. She may not wrestle like it. But she acts like it. I'm disappointed her and Corbin haven't become a couple just to mock Becky and Seth at this point. They kind of have, didn't they? I mean, they said something about that last week on uh, on TV where they said, like, you know, we're a pair, but we don't have to give into all this, like, love and nonsense. We just, yeah. you know, we're here. We're a business pair. No, but I mean, also, take it there. They kind of hinted at it. They should they take it hint, there. <laughs> they they kind of hinted at it. What, what do you want? The, the Lacey Evans, Baron Corbin sex tape? Just because he's stupid, sexy Corbin does not mean you need to see that. Well, they what they could do is they could uh, put a bed in the middle of the ring and they could have her come out in lingerie uh, and they could act. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to, we're not going to do edge and Lita. No, again. go ahead. No. Why don't you describe the entire uh, edge and Lita live simulated sex bit? Why don't you go ahead and describe it? That'll and be then a try bonus to get the, episode for the Patriots yeah. <laughs> for one hour. Nick describes <laughs> Corbin and Lacey Evans live sex session. Hello. Erotica you know fan that- fiction. <laughs> oh God. Oh, Nick's oh, fan. No, we're not fan doing fan. that. <laughs> Baron Corbin was fully shaved all over. Oh. He didn't just shave his head. Anyway, moving on before yes, one of please. us vomits. <laughs> Vince thought Corbin was attractive before. Vince is filming the whole thing from like a hole in the wall. That's good shit. Um, no, you got to get so, all the way naked under there. <laughs> she's sassy. She's sassy. Be sassy. Um, <laughs> all right. Wow. So... Corbin and Lacey, they're they're done. They're toast. Cor- uh, Seth is just coming down for being furious at, at Corbin. It's hard to continue after that, Nick. And uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of Seth's music, what happens? The music goes dead. Brock Lesnar's music hits. Caw! Out comes Brock Lesnar and doesn't waste any time. Gets in the ring. Two German suplexes, a cash-in, and an F5 later. And Brock Lesnar is your, is your new universal champion. Paul Heyman never says something's a spoiler unless it's going to happen. I don't know what he's building it up for, but at this point, that is like, if he says that, it's going to happen. And at some point, he's going to break it. He's like, he's saving it up for something good. And I'm, I can't wait to see what that is. Uh, but yeah, Brock cashed in. He's your new champ. We're back to this, Nick. Um, you mentioned earlier that Roman Reigns had to face someone at SummerSlam. Is this the prediction that we made that Roman Reigns goes into Fox as the universal champion? Uh, it's interesting though, because isn't Fox getting SmackDown? So does I, it matter I, anymore? Is there really still a brand split? I, I don't know. I, I wanted to comment on that, but I'll save that to the end. Look, I got uh one, one two three. I'm looking at it right now. Five text messages last night. Five text messages. Wow, you know a lot of people. All at the same time at about ten fifty last night okay. when this occurred, Eastern Time. That said, I'm done with WWE, and I went. In some ah. in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> if and, I had a nickel, if I had a nickel for every time I heard someone say that over the last four years. Uh, and you can even keep it just to a Brock Lesnar winning the belt. If I had a nickel for every time that someone said to me after Brock cashed in the belt, I'm never watching WWE again. I'd have a buck fifteen. Right. 
Buck 20. Buck 20. But if my point is, is that, it, yeah, yeah, all right, they do this a lot. And people still be like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this again. You're going to tune back in because he's a big fight feel. Yep. There's you people I mean? watching Raw tonight just to see what's Brock going to do What's going to happen next? This is the thing. is like We just keep coming back. Bro. The best thing they can oh, do is not even have him on TV tonight. Even we're though they trying to be will. competitive. We're trying to be competitive with other wrestling companies. Let's put the title back on Brock. Let's be clear. I think they're only putting the title back on Brock here so that someone can take it off of him. Yep. Whether that's Seth or Roman, I don't truly believe this is going to be another reign until WrestleMania. If it is... They are truly, absolutely insane. I already believe they're insane, but that's that's a whole other level of just insanity. I at this point, if he's not a transitional champ, if he keeps it for more than three months, I'm going to be flabbergasted. If he keeps it past SummerSlam, I'll be flabbergasted. I could see that happening. I could see them setting something up for Hell in a Cell in September, right before the Fox thing starts. Yeah, uh, or even till October. So their first pay per view when they're building it from Fox is Brock losing it. To whatever babyface, I could see them waiting that long. No, technically Roman is still over on SmackDown. It was the, the biggest acquisition in SmackDown Live history. So you know, I see him. Has, I see him getting the WWE Championship somehow off of Cody. But he's still he's still been on Raw twice as much as he's been on SmackDown. I understand. Wild card rule. I get it. Yeah. But if you look at the website on the rosters, he's on SmackDown. Why are you looking? That doesn't even that doesn't even matter anymore. Like, if they're going to put him wherever they want him. They're going to give him whatever belt they want him to have. <laughs> you know, I, I already feel like they're about to unify some of these belts. I don't, I don't, I don't know what they're thinking. Like, they, it doesn't they should feel just like get rid of the universal title once and for all because it was the dumbest mistake they ever made. Well, Anywho. at this point, part of, part of the issue with the universal title, and I realized this when Brock picked it back up here, part of the issue with the universal title is at this point, so many people have the association of that red belt with Brock Lesnar. Not Kevin Owens, who also held it for a year. Not Seth Rollins, who's who's also held it for a while. Right. Um, Brock Lesnar is who they associate that title with, and w- with good reason. Yeah. So that and that's not a good association. Like there, from a publicity standpoint or a public perception standpoint, that belt's got terrible mojo. Sorry, Raleigh. Yeah. But it's at the same time, like I don't. If they, if this isn't a transitional thing for Brock, it's madness. If it is transitional, it's fine that he wins it here on this on a B B grade pay per view essentially. Yeah. Uh, because they're building for something, as they did with so much else on the show. Building for the next couple of months, I'm, setting up things, setting up storylines that we don't, you know, we don't know the end of, and they probably don't either because Vince changes his mind on a weekly, hourly basis. But this could be them going, all right, we have some relatively long term booking, booking we're working towards here. How do we do that? And this is one of those decisions that they did. I, I tell you what, man. If we if we don't see the universal title again, but two or three times between now and Mania in the next eight months, nine months, uh, I don't know. It's, what I, it's this can't be that again. No, and I don't think that they will because I think they have taken so many hits, and there's going to be competition growing and growing and growing on them. That would that would be mind boggling to me if that's what happens. Yeah, but. Um, but yeah, that was the that was extreme rules. Uh, I saved myself in that last match by saying that Brock would cash in. You did pick that Baron and Lacey would lose, but I picked that Brock would cash in here. So we ended up in a tie, Nick. That's those are not very exciting. Lucky but, bastard. Uh, but uh, yeah, but at the same time, you don't have any Nia merch on your wall, and I don't have to eat crow for uh, what the second time in a year. 
So what did you think about the show overall? Like, was this, how was this, like, grade this pay-per-view? B. Uh, Because I came in with very low expectations, but I was extremely entertained for the most part. I didn't have a lot of complaints about this. I think the time, I think the way that the card was laid out was very clever. I think having Heyman come out and do a little interlude gave everybody a chance to take a breath. I think a little 24-7 interlude as well was there. That's true. I think uh, having KO come out and do another KO bomb on the mic <laughs> after squashing Ziggler gave everybody a chance to catch their breath. Um, I, I think that they, they did this very smartly. I think opening up with Undertaker and Roman Reigns was very smart. Uh, yeah. I, I Going into this, I was like, that's going to be the main event. <laughs> Seth and Becky in titles? Well, no, don't forget. Don't forget. I think that they're starting to make the opening match like the second main event yeah. these days with how they, they they want to get the crowd hot early. So that's what that seemed to be. Do you think that they like? Did this feel like a quote extreme rules pay per view? Do they build it up to, enough to be? No. This is why it's called extreme. We've been rules. saying this for two years that there's no there's nothing extreme about extreme rules. Like yeah. all of the matches used to be like crazy stipulations and like go back to doing stupid crazy shit again. Otherwise, or just don't call, call it something rules. else. Yeah, you have call enough, it something else. Uh, you, you have enough other names for pay-per-views. Call it Judgment Day. Call it Armageddon. Call it In Your House. I don't give a crap. There's no reason Great to call it Street Rules. No, no, don't call don't it that call, one. I'm sorry. Nick, how dare you? It, just, it came out, okay? I, I'm sorry. Ever say that again. <laughs> uh, no, why not? Why call this Extreme Rules when you've got a couple of matches where there are no rules, <laughs> a one-two-on-one match, and a last-man-standing match? You know, you can call it no holds barred all you want or an extreme rules match all you want. It's essentially a match with no rules. It's not extreme rules. There are no rules. So, yeah, so have every look, if it were me, every single match would be no DQ. It's just the nature of it. It's if you're going to have a pay-per-view that's extreme rules, you can add additional stuff on top of that, but every single match is no DQ. Sure. Chaos. Or have, but, I want or, unadulterated or, chaos and extreme Stipulations, period. Or well, okay, again, this is something that we've bash been kind of saying. Bash at the beach. Butter says bash at the beach. Bash at the beach. <laughs> exactly. Halloween awesome. havoc. How yes, about, how about that, that, Butters? We have some Halloween havoc in July. <laughs> yes. I'm down. Oh yes. Oh, one night bash stand. At the beach. One night stand. Oh, it's in God. Philly. Call it one night stand. My point is, is that you know this this it, it, the name extreme rules. Makes you think of extreme things. You can't do extreme things in WWE right now. It's as hard as they hit each other with kendo sticks, nothing in this nothing in this pay per view made me feel it was quote extreme. No. We just watched an AEW pay per view where a guy stuck thumbtacks into his feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and and even that wasn't that hardcore for right. what I've seen out there these days. But it was, it was pretty extreme. So. I don't know. Extreme rules. I I I think the name can go away. I like the idea of having matches with you know. You know, you can bring in kendo sticks. There's no, uh, no holds barred. Fine. All right. Cool. cool. But Extreme Rules, eh. Maybe I'm being a little bitchy WWE fan, but that's just sticks in my craw. Or you could have a pay-per-view called No Holds Barred, where Nick, every single I would match lose my was voice. No Holds Barred. I would lose my voice promoting that <laughs> on this show. Hey, Nick. You, you, know know. What to, you know what it's time to talk about today? <laughs> no Holds Barred. <laughs> again i can't even say anymore <laughs> so 
Oh, yeah, man. man. I, a couple of little notes about this. Uh, I thought Renee Young was really good on commentary. It just, yeah. it just popped out of me. She was really good. Like She's been hit or miss on Raw for a while, but tonight dude, she was really, really good. Really good. I, a little thing I want to hit on. Nick, let's get out of here. We uh, we have a lot to talk about on Thursday this week, so everyone come back and 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 listen to us then. We got to talk about the 10-year anniversary Evolve show, which was awesome. Fight for the Fallen by AEW. Uh, uh, three more G1 shows just happened over this weekend. And tons of other stuff. Plus, there's going to be all, all the WWE programming this week. It's going to be another four-hour show this Thursday, Nick. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm already tired. But it's going to be worth it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, just like I think this pay-per-view was. It was actually a lot of fun, despite, you know, don't listen to my nitpicking. It was actually a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, better than I expected it to be. And uh, gl- very glad we all got to watch it together. I'm sorry I wasn't there. I was up north, but I will be there for the next one. I yes. promise. And there's going to be so much more wrestling to watch this month. Uh, we're going to have a ton of fun over in the Facebook discussion group discussing all of that as well as all the other places you can go find us. Yes, if you guys want to get on that, head over to Facebook.com, search for Busted Wide Open, join the discussion group, like our page, and do all that good stuff. That is the hub of our operation. You can get all access to all kinds of good stuff in there, so be sure and join our discussion group. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast, right here live on YouTube every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. We will live stream for two hours every single week. You can get in on asking listener questions by joining us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for that $5 tier or higher. You can get access to bonus episodes, Skype calls every month with me and in if you like, uh, sweet swag, all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash BWO. I'm going to go try and figure out what time zone I'm in currently. Because I've been watching so much wrestling on both sides of the planet all weekend. <laughs> but my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But by God, would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.